We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister, and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you as soon as they can at 905-529-7165. And also check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. And of course, you can listen to uh, old shows there as well. Ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Good morning, Scott. And the summer has been fabulous. Uh, quick. Like you know what? July, for, I don't know why, but July was slow. And then all of a sudden, August just flew by. I know. It's the way it is. Yeah, I, <laughs> I kind of went here July we are. and August flew by. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, back to school, back to, back to radio. And uh, we're going to start things off with a must-do list for millennials. I know. You know, at this time of year, uh, obviously, a lot of people, their kids are heading back to school. And uh, so we're going to, we definitely want to talk about what students should be thinking about. And uh, and as parents, sort of the guidance you can help give your kids as they're heading back to school as well. And uh, But millennials... Millennials are going to be an interesting force in our financial future. It's going to be neat to watch how this demographic unfolds in the next 10 to 20 Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and what sort of priorities they yeah. have and They're you know a bit with the sharing it's a sharing economy yeah, yeah. versus you know will people want to own homes or yeah. will people want to rent or, or share or something there's a lot of different dynamics. The priorities play. are a little different than ours. <clears throat> this is right. Yeah. And um, so millennials are typically used, uh, that that term is used to describe the group of people that are born between 1980 and 2000, Mm -hmm. okay? So that makes them as old as, say, 38 today Mm -hmm. and as young as 18. So it's a sort of 20-year, the 20-year period there. And um, that would include, I guess, the Generation Y and the Echo Boom. And basically, that group Mm -hmm. is going to have the same impact that the baby boomers had in terms of politics, in terms of culture, workplace, business. And basically, they're going to reshape our world yeah. as we go forward. Mm-hmm. So what are the key things that uh, that millennials are thinking about from a financial perspective, and, and who are they? Well, we know that they're basically, of all Canadian millennials, they have an estimated income right now of $237 billion a year. Wow. And that represents 21% of all the income earned in Canada. How can that be if they're all working part-time, though? I know. (laughs) If they all have... uh... There's so many of them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's all Uh, all precarious work, isn't it? Well, and and I'm sure a lot of that is, particularly the younger part of that group, uh, but the older ones who have now started to establish themselves and income, I've got a little bit of information about that as well. But basically, they're going to make up about 75% of of the labor force in the next 15 years, mm. 75% of our labor force in the next 15 years. So they are definitely going to have a big impact in terms of what our work environment looks like, uh, income, uh, job stability, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mid-range of the millennial stream, about 14% of Canadians are between the age of 20 and 30, and 47% of them earn over $50,000 a year. Mm. And basically, at this point, most of them have minimal financial commitments. Yeah, right. A yeah. lot of them haven't taken on yep. buying a house yet, or um, or even you know perhaps owning a vehicle. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, as a result, they tend to have a lot of free cash flow, and a lot of times that goes toward experiences mm. as opposed to, uh, which I guess is a lifestyle kind sure. of decision, right? Yeah. 
And so if you've got, uh, if you're a listener and you've got kids that fall into that group, the millennial group, or you are a millennial and you can, you can hear yourself in the statistics we're talking about, I guess the, the most important and critical thing I can think of is your saving habit. Mm-hmm. And savings is something that uh, it, it's, I don't, I don't know where it comes from exactly. You know, obviously we see what our parents have done in terms of saving. We might model our friends in terms of what they're doing, whether uh-huh. it's spending or saving. Um, or we trying might to keep have, up with your friends. Or trying to keep up with our friends. Yeah, they're spending the more than they should. Mm-hmm. Or, but saving, on the other hand, you know, do people brag about their saving? You know, yeah. people brag about their experiences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you should see what I got in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> you should see how much I saved today. Yeah. And actually um, a lot, of, a lot of you're right, is Andy, is with the experiences with Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat yeah, and yeah. Instagram. Everyone wants to show what they're doing now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow, you're in New York City. Oh, well, you're here. And yeah. they, I, want, I want to have that experience so I can put it on Instagram. So it's almost like a different keep up with the Joneses now. It's almost keep up with the experiences. Now. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. And, and you know, I need to see the entire world by the time I'm 30. Yeah. You know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. whether it's Asia or Europe yeah. or South America or, you know, and, and, and basically... Um, and, and that is driving a lot of different economic issues around it as well. But, but are they, those, the problem with those is if they're going into debt to do something like that. It's one thing if you've again, saved the money, you have the cash and you plan a trip. Uh, but going into debt for a trip or an experience is, is definitely a prob is problematic. Mm-hmm. And that comes back to what's Don's saying, you know, are we trying to keep up with the Joneses and yeah. just because my friends are doing it or my social group is doing it, I've got to come along. So I look like I'm still part of the game. I you want don't to be see, part of the group. You don't see a lot of people taking a picture of their visa bill and putting that on Instagram. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Zero balance at the yeah. end of the, at yeah. the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> I paid it off. With unhappy faces beside it. That's it's, right. No emojis. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, where's the debt emoji? Yeah. <laughs> there should be a debt emoji. Yes, I like I'm, that. There probably is. We it's need a, to do that. A, we yeah, need to figure that one out. It's a guy with little pockets already <laughs> were taken out That's of right. the lining of their pockets <laughs> and their hands are up in the air with an not a happy face. You know, that'd be a perfect emoji. Pockets are inside out. Exactly. Those are the ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the saving habit, I just, I can't, I can't express enough how important it is to try and establish a saving habit. And, you know, the first place that people can start off, obviously, is at work. There are usually savings programs or group RSPs or the opportunity to get involved in a pension plan, perhaps. But, um, but signing up for that, you get through your probation period and getting into mm-hmm. a program like that is a good start because it comes right off your paycheck from the start yeah. and you don't see it. The next best opportunity is creating an automated savings. Mm-hmm. And automated savings or pre-authorized contributions just are creating that habit on a regular basis. But the the challenges is always about, you know, giving up giving up your enjoyment of your money today. Mm-hmm for the promise of using it at some point in the future. Yeah. And that's all savings is, mm-hmm. right? You're saying, I'm not going to spend it today to, on some experience or some item or some stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to park it and leave it somewhere and I'm going to use it down the road. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about that, I mean, the, the three key things is it, be, it sort of comes back to number one, listing your goals and the dollar amounts required for each of them. So as a millennial, you might have goals to do some traveling. You might have goals to uh, perhaps look at real estate. You might have goals to further your education. 
You might have goals to, you know, maybe it's to move uh, for a job opportunity. Uh, so th- there are, maybe it's to buy a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are different, there are a lot of different goals associated and they basically get categorized into sort of short-term, medium-term, and long-term. You, if you're struggling doing it yourself, maybe talk to a financial planner, talk to an advisor at, who can help step you through those the goal setting exercise mm-hmm. and help establishing uh, dollar amounts. So let's say for example, a uh, short-term goal is you wanna buy a vehicle um, and understanding what is a vehicle gonna cost me. And I had a discussion with somebody uh, on the weekend about uh, their daughter was heading off to university. She's a mature student, so she's actually sort of around 25 now. And so, but had done some work, had tried some school, couldn't quite find the right thing, but now has settled in. Is going to be going to school here in McMaster and, um, uh, and just started. So the question was, we're thinking we want to spend 10 grand or she wants to spend 10 grand, sorry, on buying herself a vehicle to get back and forth to school. And then of course, for whatever else that might entail, whether it might be a part-time job or social activities. And what we're trying to decide is, is it better for her to spend the 10 grand on a vehicle or is she better to invest that 10 grand and just draw on it as she needs transportation? So it was an interesting idea, right? Mm. And so as you begin to think about, well, what does $10,000 get for you in terms of a vehicle? Mm -hmm. What kind of maintenance is there going to be? We have to add insurance. And then we have to ask your your fuel fuel costs as well. So maintenance, uh, insurance, and fuel costs, and perhaps parking. Right, because now you're going to yeah. have to either pay for parking at school when you yeah. take the car there, or you're going to pay for maybe you've got uh, an apartment that doesn't include parking. You have to have on-street parking, whatever that might be too. Mm-hmm. So the ongoing costs of that versus, and I suggested, well, what if you took the ten thousand and you put it into a tax-free savings account, and now the tax-free savings account could be linked to her day-to-day bank account, and let's say for example she needed to, um, you know, she was taking Uber to school. And the cost per trip was, you know, $9 each way. So right. there's 20 bucks. So as you draw down from that fund over the course of the next several years, we started to, he, the goal was then to run some spreadsheets mm-hmm. to see how long would that 10,000 last just by using it. If she had to rent a car for a weekend, let's right. say she wanted yeah. to go up North to Algonquin park, mm-hmm. you know, and you need a vehicle. Uh, and again, might be a sharing situation, etc. So uh, so that's kind of changing the evolution, but short-term goals are typically, again, trying to put a dollar amount to it. So in this case, we had the $10,000. The idea then is to, um, how best to save that or accumulate that if you're working. And then you get into your medium goals. Um, and basically what you want to know is what is my exact situation right now? How much can I save and put away? And prioritizing those meet, uh, short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals. And the one thing about the savings habit is that being able to park 10% of your income in savings as a goal for the long-term. Yeah. So this is money that is the, the no-touch account, the bucket right. that just gets left for the, for the future. Number two is learning the difference between good debt and bad debt. Good debt is worthwhile investments into your future. And a worthwhile investment into your future could take the form of um, 
maybe taking out a student loan to extend or, or enhance your education. It could be um, maybe that maybe to increase your work, your earning potential. It could be taking out a mortgage for real estate. It could be taking out a loan for an investment property. It could be taking out a loan for uh, a business. Bad debt is, as we talked about, it's not affordable. There's no realistic repayment plan. It drains your resources. And it could be an expensive holiday or too expensive a vehicle. Um, and if you're borrowing money to pay your bills, that's not a, you're yeah. in a bad situation right away. And we got one more that I want to talk about, and that's credit score. When we come back, and we'll talk further about it. All right. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. 905-529-7165. You can call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call. And don't forget about the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Check out the website at andyanddon.com and you can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're talking about must-dos for millennials. And the final, we talked about three, uh, the first two items that I said are the key ones. Uh, we talked about saving habit being the first overall overarching mm-hmm. issue. Number one is just focusing on listing, listing your goals and the dollar amounts required for each of them. Number two is learning the difference between good debt and bad debt. And number three is keeping an eye on your credit score, because this is going to be very important. Mm. At some point, you're going to want to go and borrow money. It might be for a home, it might be for a car, whatever it's going to be. You need to have a good credit score. So you can actually find out your credit score. The two major Canadian credit rating reporting are Equifax and TransUnion. And uh, depending on what you want to pay, you can get it very quickly or you can wait and get it for free as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But maintaining a good credit score is absolutely key. Establishing a credit history, uh, credit record. And um, and the key things is paying bills on time. You know, and uh, if you can't pay a bill on time, then you're, that's a, a, a fundamental issue in terms of your your record keeping or mm. your your habits yeah. uh, or overspending. Mm-hmm. Right, you don't have the cash to be able to pay it. But um, just remember, every time you're delaying on making a payment, you're affecting your credit score, and that's going to have an impact. You know, just imagine in you know three to five years' time, you're now with a with a partner. You're, you've you've decided to get married, and now you're going to be going to buy a house together. Yeah. And they check out your credit score, and it's like three hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, and which eight hundred would be fantastic. Three hundred yeah. is it's trouble, and they're not going to lend you money. Yeah. And going back to have to fix that is going to now take you a good long time. So. And finally, you know, millennials are connected. 84% of millennials are using mobile phones. Mm. So the way we deliver financial services, financial advice is evolving too. Yeah. And I know at Investors Group, we're, um, we've, we've really focusing on in this year on moving everything to access the online, mobile, yeah. et cetera. So um, today, seeking advice from a financial planner is as easy as ever. Yeah, So. Anyway, I think millennials are going to be a fascinating force to deal with as we uh, as we go forward, and uh, their needs are similar to everybody else's, mm. uh, but their goals are and their time frames, are, I think, are, are a little bit different than what we would have traditionally. Are they going have to be of. able to get us through retirement? 
are they going to be able to keep us? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's what I'm <laughs> By the time we get there, you know, I'm worried it's all going to run out. So uh, the, the the talk that I hear is that a lot of them um, express the idea of working a lot longer. Mm-hmm. They're they're happy to work, take time off now in their career to travel, mm-hmm. with the expectation that they would work longer later. Wow, interesting. That yeah. is mm. interesting. But they're not there yet. So they're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wait till they get there. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. I the aches, the aches and pains of working their life, <laughs> and suddenly, right. why was yeah. I thinking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hurt now. <laughs> what exactly comes after millennial? What's the next one called? Zed. Uh, is that what it is? Generation Z. Generation Z. Yeah. So, they're, so the yeah. students they're right that behind I saw them. running down, carrying, pulling a, a tractor trailer down Main Street. <laughs> yeah, that are now engineer students. First year students are yeah. Zeds. They're Zeds. Anybody they're born Zeds. in two thousand, if they're eighteen years old uh, or younger, they're, they're Zeds. Didn't know that. There you go. So, so does that yeah. mean X and Ys are millennials? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And so, well, they have the echo boom. We call them too. Generation right. Y. Yeah. Well, right now we are seeing a whole bunch of Generation Zeds. Around, around everywhere. Yeah. McMaster's That's just right. opened up. Um, down Main Street, I saw in the Spectator, um, they're carrying some bed, a, a few engineering students. Yes. And I guess they go pretty wild at the beginning, probably because they got the most hours per week they have to work compared to anybody else. Yeah. But it's kind of a tradition. It's always interesting to hear the clapping and the horns and everything going down Main Street. Mm-hmm. And I know schools have just started. Yeah. And so with that in mind, it's like, Okay, how are people going to be paying for this? This is not getting anything less expensive. Yeah. I don't know about you, Scott. Do you remember $1,000 a year for tuition? Oh, God, yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was nothing. Yeah, it was under $1,000 in 1981. Yeah, it now was less, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when I graduated, I think it was around 1500 Yeah. Do you know what it costs now? For an arts program at Mac, it's 77 almost $7,800. I know. Okay. And at Western, it's 7,800, and Queen's 7,700. So they're all about the same for an arts program. Interesting enough, business programs at Mac are 11,300. Mm-hmm. Um, business programs at Queen's is 18,700. Yikes. And business program at Western with Ivy, $28,000 for just the tuition. Yikes. And, and again, engineers, um, we're talking about engineers going down Main Street carrying buses and things. Uh, they, uh, they're about fourteen five right now at Mac, hmm. fourteen three at Western, and about fourteen thousand at Queen. So that's about the same. Hmm. But regardless, fourteen thousand just for the tuition for one year, just one year. Yeah, and that doesn't mean, you know that you're not eating at that. You know, <laughs> that, that doesn't get you books. That's yeah. simply the tuition and ancillary hmm. fees that they have a lot of other things like library fees and gym fees. They add all these other things on there, and it works out to these numbers. So. It's definitely not getting any easier. And uh, I worked it out that from 1981, when I started till now, it's worked out to a 5.7% inflation rate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost 6%. Yeah. Yeah. And even if I said, okay, what about when I graduated till now, four years later, it still worked out to 5.2%. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm guessing it's about a 5% inflation rate all the way through. I researched it a bit and that seemed to be the norm. And yet, wow. we've just gone through some of the lowest inflation rates I know. in the history of Canada, under 2%, almost 1%, almost negative inflation they were talking about not long ago. Yeah. Where, but it seems that the tuition doesn't apply to that. No. And it's hard to make the money to go. Yeah. So it's interesting. One of the best ways to kind of create some money for, for tuition 
And and really, I, my my kids graduated about four or five years ago, and it was about twenty thousand a year mm-hmm. if they lived away from home. Yeah, it was about that. When you added in the food and other stuff, it wasn't quite. It was probably about eighteen thousand. I'm sure it's about twenty thousand now, but it's expensive. So, in 1998, now our ESPs, Registered Education Savings Plans, have been around for ages, mm-hmm. but there were so many rules around them that they weren't really too popular because if you didn't go to university. Um, any any of the growth in the product that you invested in, you wouldn't get any of it. Yeah. It was just, you'd get your principal back. Yeah. And somebody else would get the money, either uh, the company or the school. Well, 1998, when my youngest was eight years old at the time, and my oldest was six, they changed the rules. And they, they came out with this grant, Canadian Education Savings Grant. And this is great. You put in... Uh, up to uh, $2,000 a year, and the government would put in 20%. Mm-hmm. And that was a game changer for, for most people. So this yeah. is exactly, this is the 20th anniversary of the Can- Canadian Education Savings Grant. Mm. Um, so I, I've worked it out saying, okay, what, what if you were to put a few this these dollars away and you did it right from the beginning? It says, and you said, okay, day one, we're putting 2,000 away each year. And we're going to get the $400 grant that automatically goes into the product. If you put it in, and, and some people put it into products that paid a very low interest rate. Mm-hmm. So let's say you put it in something that makes 1%, like just basically a bank account. When it's all said and done, you're, you would have collected 30, you would have put in 36000 of your own money. Mm-hmm. Well, it would have grown to about 39000 So you would have got $3,000 interest. The grant, would, you would have got your $7,200 worth of grant. By the way, that is the maximum you can get in government grant money. And that has not changed for 20 years. Now, go back to what I was saying about (coughs) tuition going up. Yeah. Okay. Tuition has gone up 2.7 times in those 20 years. Mm -hmm. But the RESP hasn't changed a bit. Mm -hmm. So it's it's definitely, this is so important to try to really make this uh, concerted effort to use this program as much as you can, and you probably have to augment it by other yeah. kids working, et cetera, which is no problem at all. But definitely, this is a great thing. So going back, you've got a 1% rate of return. When it's all said and done, you'd have $47,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Certainly, you know what, as Andy said in the last segment, the biggest thing is they're saving. Yeah. Um, the actual amount of money that you made on it wasn't a lot because 7,000 grant, 36, 43,000 of your own money made 4,000. You know, it's not the interest, it's the fact you've saved 43,000. Yeah. Most parents are sitting there, where are we going to get this 20 grand a year? Yeah. Okay. So at least you got a couple years mm-hmm. looked after. What if you invested at something earning 3% return? Still nothing special. This would be like a fixed income fund, maybe a little bit of equities in it. You've now would have, your your portion would have grown about 47,000. The government would have thrown in 9,300 with growth the 7,200 plus uh, growth, you would have had $56,000 saved instead of 47,000 saved. Hmm. And if you put it into, what some of the products that I've used actually is, is a, it's kind of a balanced fund. It's about 60% equities, 40% fixed income. And it's averaged very close to 6%, somewhere between five and 6%, pretty much steadily for all my RESP clients for the kids. Their portfolio, would have been 62,000 would have been their portion. So their 36,000 would have grown by almost 30, Mm $25,000. And the grant of 7,200 would have grown to about 12,000. 
So now you would end up with 74,000. And I am seeing clients to this day, and they're in that 70,000 mark now. Mm -hmm. That is almost covering probably, depending on the program, as we talked about, the programs vary depending arts, business, or engineering. Mm -hmm. And those are just three of them. But that's definitely going to put a large dent. Yeah. And maybe three years, mm -hmm. possibly all of it. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to use these programs. And I can't, you know, it's, it's hard for the parents. You know, great, I've got a new house. I just got married, got our jobs. We're, we're working our way up the ladder. We're toiling away, um, trying to make some extra money. We got renovations on the house. Oh yeah, I got to save for education. Mm -hmm. It's not the necessarily the easiest thing. Not to mention, I got to save for my retirement, yeah. okay? And everything else. This is not an easy thing to do. This is where grandparents, I can't stress enough, like put some of the, if you guys had a family meeting and put the money and say, okay, I'll put some money in. How about you guys put some money in? Or, you know what? I don't have a mortgage anymore. You know, I'm I'm 78 years old or whatever the age is. I'm fine. I could, I'll look after the kid's education and we'll put that money in. You know, grandparents are actually, are, are becoming a larger portion of the RESPs for, for my clients now mm -hmm. because they're in a position to do it. Okay. And it's uh, with the housing prices have gone up so much in the last five years, it's harder for the new parents. Yeah. Even more so than ever. Mm -hmm. They're more debt than ever right now than yeah. the history. Yeah. Do you find when grandparents are opening up RESPs or, or contributing to an RESP, is it an RESP that the parents established or is it an RESP that they've, the grandparents have established themselves for grandchildren? I end up opening it up in the parent's name. Parent name. Even though the parents are contri the grandparents are contributing, right, right, it just makes it easier for estate purposes down the road, and uh, it's very easy. How do you get grandparents like this? <laughs> <laughs> Have the big meeting. <laughs> like if you go over there and say, "Listen, my it's gonna it's gonna cost right now. It's costing eighty thousand for four years. Yeah, um, how can we do this? And you know, don't slough this. Like a lot of people say, oh, I worked myself through university. Yeah, yeah. Tuition was a lot less back then. Yeah. It's it's outstripping the cost of living by almost triple. Yeah. Okay, yeah. certainly double. Not to say there's nothing wrong with having some skin in the game if they yeah. were, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, they've saved something along the way. And I know uh, in talking again with um, some uh, some neighbors to talking about how much the expectation was for each of their children to have saved, and the number was 10000 mm -hmm. So if, once they had saved $10,000 towards their post-secondary education, whatever they earned above that, they could spend. Mm -hmm. But that was the goal. And if they didn't have ten grand at the, by the time they were ready to uh, head off to school, then they would probably, their expectation was that they would have to have a part-time job. Yeah. 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 And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I 100% agree with that. Plus, they certainly appreciate their education yeah. because they're like skin in the game. They, yeah. They're definitely committed now. They're, they've got their own hard-earned money. Mm -hmm. But there's another way to do this. Uh, the government did change the rules. They didn't change the amount of grant, but they said that instead of going 2000 a year, you can go up to 2500 per year. Mm -hmm. And what it basically means is you can max the whole program out in 14.4 years. And if you did that, because you've got more money early, You'd end up with instead of seventy-four thousand in the six percent example, you'd be at about seventy-eight thousand. Hmm. So you'd end up with another four thousand dollars because you've got more money in it early. Now, the RSP rules, um, there's no real, there's no downside because if the child doesn't go to school, it can't, it they still have to, they have to forfeit the grant. Right. But at least their own money, you know, even though it may be taxed, you still get it. Okay. 
Um, and it can be moved to another child, mm -hmm. okay, if they haven't maxed out. Right. So there's a, a lot of flexibility in the program. But one thing I've been doing with some is because most, I would say, are latecomers to the program. They're saying, okay, I haven't really started this. And my kids looking scholastic and doing well at school. And three years from now, yeah. they're going uh, to be in this. And said, well, how old's the kid? My first question, 15. When do they turn 16? Not till next year. Perfect. The last time you can start the RESP is when the child is 14, uh, 15. Mm -hmm. And you have to put in a certain amount, I believe it's $1,500. Otherwise, you won't be able to do when they're 16 or 17. Right. But I've worked it out that even if you borrowed for this, because if you borrowed and put 5,000 in, you can actually put 2,500 for the current year and 2,500 for one of the years you missed. Right. So you put in 5,000, borrow for 5,000, you get the $1,000 grant money. Just stick it in a very safe daily interest, 1% kind of an account. Do it again the next year, do it again the third year. So you can do this for three years. You're gonna get your 15,000, 3,000 of free money from the government. Mm -hmm. And trust me, uh, the way students or everybody trying to, if, they're, if they got a $3,000 scholarship, they would be ecstatic. Yeah. That's basically like getting a $3,000 scholarship. They make 1%. Yes, you have to pay interest on the loan, but the loan costs at 5% would be 1,500. And you'd be, you'd be better off by about $1,900 of free money mm -hmm. um, if you only got 1% on your investments. So even if you're late to the game, it's not over unless you've never done it and they're 16 years old. Yeah. But if they're 15, it still makes sense. I just had a, a grandmother, daughter, and grandchild meeting last week. All three is, I've, I've never had so many people in my, uh, my interview room. Uh. And we literally did this exact program to to start them up 15 and mm -hmm. try to maximize this for the next three years. Great way to at least try to catch up before the big day. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. And you can also ask a question via the listener inquiry button at andyanddon.com. That is their website. You can also listen to old archive shows there as well. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Check out the website at andyanddon.com and you can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. 10 sure ways students can save money. Well, yes. And, you know, we're talking about the cost. There's ways you can cut back a bit so things don't cost quite as much. And I know uh, anybody who's gone to university, we all have our stories about what we've eaten. Yes. Particularly <laughs> in April, <laughs> when all the money is running dry. It's amazing how well you eat in oh, September. It's just a little bit of freezer burn. That's, <laughs> that's when you look under the bed to see what's available. <laughs> yeah, you can do so many things with Kraft Dinner. It's unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. made bean omelets. We sure. had all sorts of things. Sure, yeah. You can so, add those fancy sauces on the, it. Yeah, that like wieners, look oh. out. You're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's so now we want to talk. Now we want to talk about all the things students can do to save money. Oh, there you go. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that was one. Is actually wake just, them up right now yeah. so they can hear this. <laughs> <laughs> Eat economically. Yeah. You're not at home having the great food that your parents or your mother or your dad were making for you. You're fending for yourself. Now, if you have the student plan and it's included, generally first year students that will often stay on site. Okay, go wild because it's part of the deal. Yeah. Um, but if you're, you know. Yeah, but then your meal plan runs out. And guess, guess their phone call comes. Uh, I'm out. Can you reload my meal card? Yes. And it's October. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a great way of economics. And, um, you know, nothing will tell people to save money more is when people run out of food. Yes. And what they have to eat. Yeah. And it's amazing what you what you didn't like, what all of a sudden becomes likable. Sure. <laughs> because you have to eat something. Yep. So anyway, eat economically. Try to budget your food. So that was, I know I've jumped forward on my list, but that would be number eight on my list. Well, and I think buying in bulk, right? Because, you know, sure there's enough, nothing yeah. wrong with doing a Costco run sure. for a lot of those bulk items that yeah. you're going to use no matter what. Mm-hmm. Store them away, put them in the freezer, and at least you've got some backup. And a lot of students have never cooked at all. It's amazing. Literally right. never, yeah. ever turn on a stove. That's yeah. true. At all, or oven. And uh, this is where if you cook yourself, yeah. um, first of all, it's un- unbelievable how much you'll save in yeah. just by cooking the food yourself. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Then you have friends over to your place and then you cook and then you yeah. can go out and spend it out somewhere else. Yeah, but good point. You know what? Cooking saves a ton of money. Um, so another, another thing is uh, considering the cost of where you're staying. Now, if you are living at home versus going away, it's a massive difference. You know, the McLean, 2017, a McLean survey said university students living away from home spent an average of about 19500 a year. Mm-hmm. It's not far from the 20000 I was just saying. Yeah. And that's kind of normal. Uh, students living at home spent 9300 a year. Well, wow, wow. less than half. Mm. That's huge. Yeah. That's a game changer. That's yeah. real money. We're, we don't, that's, we're not talking about sh- you know, a tiny bit of food. It's also so a game a cou- changer getting out of mom and dad's house. There's a couple yeah. of barriers here. Yeah, exactly. There's a couple of barriers here to this one, and I recognize this. So let's say if, it's your, if you've got two kids and it's your first one and they stay home, really life doesn't change as far as mom and dad. But if it's your last kid and they're staying home, you have dreams of empty nester. (laughs) And it's almost like, do I really want this kid staying home or do I want them out? Write the check. (laughs) The tie, exactly. (laughs) So I, and then from the kids, from the students perspective, right? Who really wants to stay home with mom and dad versus who wants to go away and live in residence. So we've got a couple of barriers to this one, but if you can and work it out there's a sweet spot in there somewhere <laughs> that it can save you a lot of money yes and so there that's one thing is just trying to look where do you stay at home and that's a huge one but again uh, and really the experience of living away is really part of the growing yeah up, it is yeah and especially the first year mm-hmm. um so i i, I agree 100 percent. like get him out of the house yeah um but you're gonna pay more for it yeah. number two but just make sure you move by the time the christmas vacation comes around that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. Funny enough, uh, my friend uh, did. Uh, they had a big four-bedroom house, and they had all the kids go to university. Four kids, actually, yeah. and then they moved into a condo. Yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah. <laughs> that solved the problem. Yeah. So, um, investigate every source of possible income. So, there's a lot of scholarships potentially available, whether a bursary or provincial government foundations, religious groups, service clubs, civic groups. Go to the websites. There's one called CanLearn.ca. That's CanLearn. .ca. And another one is yconic.com. That's Y-C-O-N-I-C.com. And both of these have some ways you can get some potential help. Okay. And I went to, I just looked at McMaster University site for bursaries and scholarships, and it's amazing how many there are. Mm. And really what it is, is just the student take, making the effort to actually apply. Yeah, good point. Because yeah. you, you really, you're not, you, you don't know. I, I mean, I, again, talking to um, some clients whose uh, son was going to engineering 
and uh, applied to a whole bunch of these. Ended up with forty five hundred dollars wow. in scholarships and bursaries. That's great. And just you know, even uh, like I know McMaster has an honors award. If you graduated with an between eighty and eighty four at uh, percent average, you get an automatic five hundred bucks. 85 to 89, 750, 90 to 94 average, a thousand bucks. And if you were at 95 average or higher, 2,500 bucks right wow. away. Wow. Yeah. So there is some potential help out there. Go and get it. You know, just, you just have to go online. Um, another one is just budget realistically. I actually set a budget. My, I got to say one of my best friends, he literally laid out budget for the kids and gave them a, a template mm-hmm. of everything. And they've been, all, all, all three kids use this religiously to get through. Actually, I'd say two out of the three. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> one wasn't so good at it. <laughs> Truth be known. But uh, we two all need, were really We all need some it. challenges. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, and, and so budgeting is a, new, is a great thing. To, it's also a great life skill, yeah. as Andy was saying yeah. earlier on. Great life skill. Like cooking. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like back to cooking. Very handy. And the other one is, is get a part-time job. Yeah. It's not like... It's, if you're in an arts program, you've got 17 hours of, uh, of actual class time. <clears throat> Business is about 22. Engineering would be tough. You've got to look at the program. Yeah. But if you can work even one shift a week somewhere, it makes a huge difference. And, and also, it, it shows it's another life skill of That's balancing it. everything. Yep. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call them now at 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They'll return your call. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Take a peek at their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. And of course, you can listen to old shows there, ask a question via the listener inquiry button, or you can call 905-529-7165, leave a message, and they'll return your call. Talking about ways students can save. It's all back to school stuff in the show, and yeah. uh, we've talked about, we're talking about 10 ideas that students can save money. Uh, staying at home versus in, in residence or going away. Uh, investigate all your possible resources, whether it's uh, bursaries, scholarships, provincial government grants, etc. Budgeting realistically. And number four is managing your or your borrowing and your debt. So mm-hmm. a lot of times students are going to apply for uh, financing or student loans, and you might actually get approved for more than you need. Mm. And I think this is important. Instead of grabbing the money and taking the extra cash to go to Europe or something, <laughs> uh, in our day it used to be you'd buy a new stereo. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, Take less because that gives you the capacity to look at getting some more at some point in the future. Yeah. Plus, it reduces your carrying costs later on. Um, and a lot of times, people will uh, often get a credit card for their student as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I like the idea of the credit card because it does, in a pinch, if there's an emergency, the opportunity to use that to help get out of Dodge, if, yeah. you, if so. Um, but maybe set a realistic amount, $500. But it's also a good way to establish credit. So yeah, if you do yeah. use it a little bit and, you've, and you're, you have the capacity to pay it off all the time at, every, at the end of every month and always on time, then uh, you will build a, re, a very good credit history as well. Number five is uh, don't pay needless fees. And so the universities, if you look down through the list of tuitions, all the different costs that are associated with starting a program uh, every year, they charge for uh, student medical plans. And student medical plans you can opt out of. Mm -hmm. Now, um, 
sometimes it's advantageous, depending on your health situation, to be able to access the on-campus health facilities without any issues. But um, the the basically for a lot of students, their parent they're covered under their parents' plan until about age twenty-five. Right. So if you've got a family plan coverage at work. Your student already covered. You can apply, and you do usually typically have to provide proof Mm -hmm. that you have the coverage through your group carrier. Uh, And then once you can show that, then they will reimburse you the fees. Mm -hmm. And that can be about anywhere from about a hundred dollars to two hundred and fifty bucks per semester. Right. Okay. For to have that additional coverage. Mm -hmm. Um, Number six: buy used textbooks. And, you know, a lot of, and in talking to my own kids who have gone through school, a lot of, obviously there's been a big transition to e-documents and e-books so that, um, uh, and even e-devices. So, you know, basically, you know, uh, professors are downloading uh, a textbook or making it available online or to an e-reader. And so technically you don't actually buy a book, Mm -hmm. but uh, a lot of books are still required. And so buying them used is great. And if you end up having to buy a, a new one, uh, selling it at the end of the semester and do it right away yeah. because you'll get the most bang for your buck. Plus yeah. it gives you a little bit of hit of cash. And if you're the student buying it, um, look right away. If you know you're going to be taking a course, like let's say it's the it's April and you know you're going to be taking a course in the fall, look for that used textbook right away. Yeah. Buy yeah, it in April idea. before the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, number seven, take advantage of free and inexpensive programs. <clears throat> so obviously using the school gym, yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of facilities, rec facilities, rec programs that yeah. are available right then, right there. You don't have to pay for, there's always events, there's clubs, there's sporting events that you can attend, whether it's football games or other mm-hmm. kind of, uh, um, intramural games that you can attend for entertainment, all kinds of things you can do that are, are very inexpensive or, or free. Or free, yeah. Um, Number eight, which was eat economically. We talked about that already mm. in our capacity. I guess as parents, maybe it's partly more incumbent on us to teach our kids yeah, a little more yeah. about cooking and experimenting with Well, cooking. even thinking if you're going out and buying fast food or to a restaurant, I mean, yeah. how much more expensive that's going to be. Oh, it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, shop economically. If you use your student card when you go shopping, you automatically always get a discount. Yeah, that's true. So look for businesses that offer discounts, shop around Mm -hmm. for bargains and use money off coupons. There's all kinds of things that you can do and put a little bit of effort into saving yourself some money. Stretch out your budget a little bit longer as well. Uh, Number 10 is make the most of government relief for students. So when you file a tax return, you should be filing a tax return every year to take advantage of any tax deductions, any tax credits for your tuition fees, moving expenses, mm. student loan interest, mm. GST refunds, and so on. So filing your tax return is also going to build an RSP contribution room for the future and uh, and always claim whatever income you've earned. So even if you're paid cash for certain items or you've earned cash as part of a job, Claim that as casual labor or casual income. Report it. You're not going to pay tax yeah. uh, because of the op- A, your income is typically never high enough, right. and B, you get offsetting credits with your tuition credits, et cetera. So, uh, but it does build future uh, RSP room for down the road. So I think that the main thing is we're trying to reduce the stress for students in yeah. terms of their debt uh, at, at graduation. And, you know, the it's a blessing 
And it's a gift that, that, that is a huge gift as if you can get yourself through school by the help of your parents and yourself being able to contribute to mm-hmm. paying for it, then uh, being able to graduate debt-free yeah. and start with a clean slate is a fantastic opportunity. You're already ahead of the majority of other students because you don't have that over your head as well. Do you find students are more in tune with this now because it is so difficult that there is more pre-planning? I think that a lot of students are hearing about debt, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the students in the other program, or, you know, further on in the years right. or getting close to graduation or those that have already graduated who yeah. have debt. Right. Sometimes it's, so in some cases it's too late, but I think if, if more mm-hmm. students heard about the stress or understood the stress that a graduating student has with $25,000, $30,000 of debt and the process of now having to pay that off, yeah. uh, they would definitely, I think, have changed their habits along the way a little bit we have been planning your financial future i'm scott thompson andy lister and don fox have been here from investors group financial services inc andy and uh, andy and don.com is the website and you can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 thanks gentlemen we'll see you next week